I'll be reading two scripture passages today. Um, first, Isaiah 60, 1 through 6, and then Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Isaiah 60, 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. In Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Good morning. This is in the liturgical calendar, Epiphany. Now, many people would relate Epiphany to the coming of the three wise men or the three kings, as we sing about sometimes. Uh, that, but it is one of the days of the year that over the many centuries the church has clearly uh, identified as a significant day. Primarily because while some focus on the the coming of the Magi, if you will, third name for them, um, others have long focused in the Christian church on the fact that Epiphany is a day that recognizes Jesus' baptism. 
this idea of epiphany is something that in more common language we've talked about events in our lives in which uh, they were we experienced an epiphany some form of an eye-opening experience um, such as a, a sudden manifestation or a perception of the essential nature or meaning of something something happens in our lives where something suddenly becomes like wow that just came into focus for me or I just understood that in a new way Secondly, it can also refer to an intuitive grasp of reality through something that is uh, usually um, simple but yet striking. It, it hits me in a certain way. Um, it could have been, for example, it certainly was for me even as we were singing this morning, a couple of the songs and a couple of those verses just really sort of broke something in me. And it was very difficult to... To, uh, to not uh, have tears because of the power of the message and the, and the beauty of the song in which we were affirming uh, again, uh, Jesus Christ, our living hope. Uh, a third form of it is an illuminating discovery, a, a realization or a disclosure, a time where we feel that God has specially spoken to us. And all of these could be accurate in what they describe. The reality of having uh, an epiphany, uh, some special event is, is best illustrated uh, by a story uh, from a book called Mortal Lessons, Notes on the Art of Surgery. It was written by Dr. Richard Seltzer. He tells this story in that book uh, that reflects uh, something pretty powerful. He says, quote, I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, clownish, a tiny twinge of a facial nerve, the one to the muscles of her mouth has been severed. She will thus, from now on, be that way. And it was because of removing a tumor in her cheek, I had to cut the little nerve. Her young husband is in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the big bed, and together they seem to dwell in, in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are they, I ask myself, he, he said, and this wry mouth I have made, who gaze at and, and tough each, touch each other so generously, the young woman speaks. Will my mouth always be like this, she says. Yes, I say, it will because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent, but the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once, I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with God. Unmindful, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth. And I am so close that I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate hers. 
to show that their kiss still works. This is what Jesus does for us. How fitting it is to start the new year by recognizing that Jesus didn't just come for one reason only. He came to deal with our brokenness in order to heal us and send us out. It's a rhythm of life. God twisted his lips in the form of Jesus so that we would understand and identify with this human who came and shaped himself to fit us, that we would understand how much he still loves us and wants us to be redeemed. He wants a redeeming work in our lives. When we go back and look at Isaiah 60, this reading is difficult with the two chapters that precede it. Chapters 58 and 59 are chapters of, uh, of rather sober expression from God about the brokenness and the sinfulness. And so suddenly you have out of that naming and that, that convicting message of God about the ways in which God, the children of Israel had turned away from and turned away from. We're dealing with a medical issue in these days. They were dealing with far more. They were dealing with the fact that their country was occupied, their, their buildings had been destroyed, the great pride of their city of Jerusalem had been broken down. They had been taken away to other countries. They were dealing with all kinds of, of separation from their family and the uncertainty of what was going to happen next or when the next knock on their door and soldiers would come. All of this, going to the market was a risk. All of these things, every day was a struggle. Every moment was a struggle of living under fear. And yet, God was saying, after all the things you've done to me, and after all the ways you have turned away from me, yet still will I love you. And I will conform to the human likeness in order to demonstrate for you a redemptive hope in Jesus Christ. When I say that this baptism of Jesus was a model, because what, what we find expressed in Isaiah 60, and if you read on, it even says at one point, there will be no more darkness. That there will be a day coming when it will only be light. Where it will only be joy. It will only be peace. It will only be health and, and love. And, and an overwhelming joy that Jesus talked about in his ministry. So we see that and we see this model for how we move toward that reflected in Jesus' baptism. There's three things in Jesus' baptism that were clearly a model for all of life. 
So if you've been depressed, if you're dealing with any kind of medical condition or challenge, if you're dealing with fears, if you are dealing with the brokenness of relationships and the uncertainty of what to do next for what, for a job search or for a change of, uh, of vocation or, or whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, we have in this baptism of Jesus a model three aspects of this um, to really start a new chapter of life. The first one is the step of preparing for ministry. And you say, well, wait a minute. I'm not called to be a minister. I, I think we all are. We're not called to be a pastor necessarily but we're called to be a representative. And what you'll see, and we'll get to this in a bit, but I'm just going to give you a slight prelude or a sneak peek. But the fact is that this light coming into the world that, that we talk about, Jesus as the light of the world, this light was designed for us to be living in it, and sin broke that into darkness and moved us into darkness. And, and we're going to look at some examples of light. But the reality is that, that we prepare for ministry by repentance and confession. We prepare for the purpose of life. We prepare for the next stage. We prepare for the year 2021 by stopping and saying, let's start the year right Let's clear the deck of all the trash or the things that have encumbered us. Let's start the year by submitting, repenting and submitting to the will of God for this coming year. We're going to be taking communion today. Very fitting. Not just because it's the first Sunday of the year and not just because it's Epiphany, but taking communion as a reminder that the whole purpose of Christmas, the whole purpose of Jesus coming is far more than the tree and the lights. And I've enjoyed all of that, um, but that's not the purpose. And we'll never get us to that. And so we prepare for ministry. And you say, now, here's a question. Why would Jesus need to repent? He didn't because he didn't sin. But we've sinned and we seek forgiveness. But what he was doing in this preparation for his ministry was submitting to the will of the Father, was giving himself up and saying, your will, Father. He said that at the very end of his life as well. Your will be done, not mine. That act of submission is, is an act of, uh, of acknowledging that God is the Father. God is our loving and caring parent that created us for a purpose. And when we acknowledge that, we are now ready to move ahead. And then we see this second, and, and that, that was part of the interchange between Jesus and John. 
John was, was saying, look, yeah, I know you're my cousin, but there's no way, because John understood who Jesus was as the Messiah, and there's no way that I should be baptizing you. And the reason Jesus insisted was, I give myself up for the purpose that God sent me. Secondly, we reestablish our identity as a child of God by accepting forgiveness, by accepting the, the, the call of God to be a new creature. And so Jesus, when he comes out of the baptism, suddenly you have this incredible experience and anybody that was watching this knew very well what was going on because they could visually see the spirit of God descending like a dove onto Jesus. And it says, notice the wording that, that Wes read, alighting on him. In other words, there was a visual light that came down onto Jesus. Unmistakable. Unmistakable to those who were there. And then there was this voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. With him I am well pleased. In other words, uh, what Jesus happens in this moment is that there is an establishment of one's identity. Uh, that, that is one of the biggest struggles that we see people go through. We used to talk about the struggle for identity. Well, that's those teenage years. Yeah, kind of figuring out who you are. If there's anything I've learned that that, that is absolutely not true. That identity formation is there at three and four years old. It's there at seven and eight and 10 years old. It's there at 34 and 35, 48, 49, 60, and on. A constant struggle. And so if we want to, to have the world make sense and life make sense, we submit ourselves to, to God, to what he's calling us to. We ask for forgiveness and start anew. And then we establish once and for all and we believe it, we claim it, and we hold on to it that I don't care what the world says, how I look, what you think of my preferences, what you think of my music, what you think of, of how I do things, what you think of the job that I have, what you think of, of how much possessions I have or wealth I have. I give all that up and I rebuke it as that which will define me. If we could just help people do that, we would change this world so fast because there's nothing that Satan wants to use more than to cause us to question, to cause us to fear, to cause us uh, to, to feel inferior to other people and to be embarrassed about who we are or some aspect of who we are. 
to get us to cringe and, and back up and, and, and stay away and turn away and, 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 and just move away from, from what we're supposed to be doing. To that I say the words of the song again. Jesus Christ, our living hope. Living now. I am to claim who I am in Christ. I am to claim being a child of God, being loved and and worthy of love, not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done for me. In Jesus' baptism, that confirmation from the Father was the confirmation for him to know who he was and to be able to now go out to the next step of his calling. You see, what we're, we're looking at here is that it starts with my willingness and ability to submit to God's will. And then it's built on by, by offering myself in, in baptism, not just once a baptism with water, but in constant being baptized again and again and again by the living Holy Spirit and being willing to to, to be clear and once and for all say, I am a child of God. And that was, again, the foundation. The whole idea of, of a new creature. We see that language throughout Scripture. And that language of, and why that's so important is because that's what gives us the confidence to know that God is going to use us as we move into ministry. And the third is this, is this commissioning, if you will, a launching into ministry. It was Jesus accepting the call. It was Jesus saying, I'm ready to serve. And at this point, Jesus was 30 years old He was ready to use these next three years, maybe three and a half. He was ready to be used however God would want to use him. This isn't just a symbolic repentance and recognizing of God's higher presence. It's a turning point. It's an epiphany. Jesus was going through an epiphanal moment. Not because it was like, oh, didn't see that coming. Oh, didn't know that. No, it was epiphany for him because it was confirmation of the Father. This is why you gave me life and you called me. And this is what my purpose is. And until we go through those first two steps, that third sense of of how we're supposed to help people, how we're supposed to shine the light into the world, I, I said this at the Christmas uh, Eve um, service. I had never noticed this before, but I'll repeat it. I had never noticed that in the song Silent Night, there is some form of reference to light in every verse. And part of the reason that that's so powerful is because it talks about Jesus as the light of the world and giving light to us. So what is our life purpose? We can say it this simply. 
to shine the light of God into other people's lives through whatever means God has given me. That is being a minister. Our mission is to accept the call and then move on to work at at shining. The light of God is a light that leads our way, yes. It's a light that chases away darkness, yes. It's a light that is healing for others, a light that gives unshakable confidence in who we are in Christ. That is the healing vaccine for this world. That's what we need. There are many people who claim Christ, and I believe they genuinely believe it, but they also are then hesitant and say, well, we reduce it to, you know, well, I go to church. Well, I I do this, I I do that. Um, You know, one of the real blessings of, and I'm not downplaying or making in any way diminishing the, the terrible nature of these last months. But one of the things that I have seen, that we as leaders have seen, have been tremendous acts of kindness. Countering the darkness we're in with light. That's our calling. That's our mission. You want an epiphanal moment? Go do something good for someone and see how the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, wells up within you with joy. You just compare that sometime. Every time you do something for someone else and you bless someone else, you smile at someone else, it could be the simplest thing. Every time you do, the joy level goes up. And there is more hope and there is even greater light. That is what we were called to do and who we were called to be, people who will shine that light. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 34, it's, it's, it's almost, uh, I would say, almost humorous in, a, in an interesting way. Um, the, this whole thing about Moses going up on the mountain and, and, and encountering God. And his face shines so bright that when he would come back down on the mountain, from the mountain, and from that encounter, it, people were like, whoa, it's too bright. And so he, would, he started covering his face and veiling his face every time he came back from an encounter with God. We see that the power of the light of God shining into us, and I don't know if you've ever experienced that, if anybody said, oh, whoa, way, you know, you're too happy. Come on, you, you can't be in this world and be too happy. You've got you to gotta sadden it up some. It's realistic. Join the rest of us who are not, not even cautiously optimistic. We are just doubters. We're naysayers. We're negative, you know, frumpy, grouchy. You know, that's easier. We aren't going to be disappointed then, right? The reality is I don't think we'll ever quite be like Moses. But 
the question could be asked. When you go home from church or you go out and meet with somebody else or you see them walking on a path or uh, when you leave any kind of, of prayer time, even if it was at your own home, do you envision yourself being so bright that other people could see the joy of, of the Lord on your face and in your heart? that it just keeps coming out. Think about that. Think about how we shine. Let's look at a couple of other passages that refers to this purpose that we have of shining light. In Acts 12, 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Acts 9.3, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. You knew who that was, the Apostle Paul. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. In other words, the light through our ministry, through whatever we do, that is your ministry. And we can all do things to bless others and help others. That is the light shining. And that's what it says. It has an impact because they end up glorifying your Father who is in heaven because of what they've seen in you. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let, sh- let light sh- shall shine out of darkness is the one who also shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In the face of Christ. And we do that blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, Lord. Make his face to shine upon you in such a way that it catches and it holds and we shine forth. 1 John 1, 4-6. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then we do understand from throughout these different passages It's therefore the Holy Spirit who not only gives us our new identity in Christ, but also gives us the light of the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. So this coming year, think of some things, make a list of things that you could be thankful for in 2020. Even though we're past it, shine that light back into 2020 and, I'll, and just see what happens when you start listing the things that you have to be thankful for. And then make a list of things you plan to do for Christ and others in 2021. Maybe you want to set one or two goals for prayer or Bible reading or study. And then I also want to encourage you. Make a journal list of every time this year you've seen God's light shine. Every time. 
And this time, for this year, we start doing it ahead of time. The light shining. And it does make a difference. You know, Mario was a homeless man who lived in a church shelter. He had lived on the streets of New York City for over half his life. He spent his 60th birthday with friends at a church dinner at the shelter. And several people at the dinner didn't believe that it was Mario's birthday. They thought he made it up so he'd get a special meal, right? And so Mario reached into his coat pocket and he showed them his birth certificate, which showed that it was, in fact, his birthday. Then Mario said something they really didn't expect. He says, you want to see my baptismal certificate too? And they're like, what? His, bap- he, his baptismal certificate showed that he was baptized as a baby at an Episcopal church on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Mario had carried his baptismal certificate with him for all those years as he wandered the streets of Manhattan. What did it mean to him? What did it represent? It represented something powerful to him that he was still in God's hands. I can't imagine for all of the situations he had gone through, prison, on the streets, for all of that. And yet, he was so proud that he still had that certificate. In baptism, we are given our identity, which is what happened with, it confirmed Jesus' identity. We are God's children, called to a life of love, called to be fully uh, committed to, to Jesus and, and to his way. Now, we're all just human beings. We're so often fearful of one another. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of what other people will do to us. We live in fear rather than confidence and love. But the one thing, like Mario, that we can go back to is to claim again and again, I am the one that Jesus has established to be a child of God. And we're called to shine our light brightly into this world. Even as others, through their actions and words, declared Mario to be worthless, he continued to carry that in his pocket. Mario knew that he was a beloved child of God. May we be able to say that today. I am a beloved child of God. God is pleased with me. And now he sends me out into a new year, recognizing my calling to shine the light of Christ into this broken world. Jesus traveled to the riverbank that day to identify himself as human. But he also launched through his embracing of his calling into a ministry that would and continues to change the world. May we change the world one beam of light at a time every day. May we be committed to that. This song that we'll sing before transitioning the communion is There is a Redeemer. It's a tremendous song that 
I want you to pay attention specifically again. I think I've said this before, but to that line that says, and leaving his spirit till the work on earth is done. The spirit of the living God is with us today. May we be empowered and strengthened to serve him through that.